Hello, and welcome to a very short Unorthodoxy podcast, a brief, imperfect provocation of sorts. Uh, my name is Duncan, and I like Heraclitus, so that's who I'm going to start with. Heraclitus was one of the pre-Socratic philosophers, and he said a number of really wonderfully paradoxical things. We have access to Heraclitus's work today only in fragments. Um, only around 130 Heracletian epigrams have survived. And just to give you a feel for them, here's one of those epigrams. He says, a thing rests by changing. And I'm pretty sure you can actually relate to that. We know this idea in the form of the common idiom today, which says that a change is as good as a holiday. Here's another one. The way up and the way down are the same. That's the principle of enantiodromia, the, the idea that opposites exist on a continuum and, in fact, often turn into each other. As you will notice, if you spend a lot of time in your head, so suddenly you just have this incredible compulsion to do very physical things. Here, uh, here's another example. Expect the unexpected or you, you won't find it, which I think is a, a good principle to live by. And try this for size. Uh, many fail to grasp what is in the palm of their hand. Heraclitus is really just wonderful. His work is a bit like reading Zen koans. Even if you don't immediately get uh, what he means, you know he's on to something. Actually, there is a Zen koan that nicely mirrors something that Heraclitus says, but I will get to that in a moment. Anyway, my aim here is to home in on just one of Heraclitus's paradoxes and, and just unpack it in a bit more detail. And the paradox that I want to focus on is this one. That which opposes produces benefit. This is sometimes rendered more simply as the obstacle is the way. The same idea is found in a Zen proverb slash koan, which says this, the obstacle in the path becomes the path. Never forget, with every obstacle is an opportunity to improve your condition. That's maybe a little bit friendlier than, than it maybe should be, but it's, it says about the same thing. The question, of course, must arise, what condition needs to be improved? So let's look at this idea. The obstacle is the way. Really? The normal thought process that we would have typically is this. The obstacle is in the way, but... Heraclitus and this Zen proverb are saying something else. The obstacle is the way. Just to have a little bit of fun with this idea, we can play with other ways of putting it. I've just toyed with different ways of putting this uh, through metaphor just to see maybe if it highlights something of the meaning of this paradox. So for instance, you could say getting fired will put you to work or nothing nourishes like hunger or Loneliness is the best kind of company, or maybe failure is the mother of all success. This is another one, which maybe uh, would take a little bit longer to figure out. The flat tire is going to help you to get home. Some of these paradoxes make sense, but others of them maybe need a little bit more thought. So, what is going on here? Here's a quick story that may help. In 1334, the Duchess of Tyrol, her name was Marguerite Maltash, I'm pretty sure I'm pronouncing that incorrectly, anyway, her name translates roughly to Marguerite the Mouthbag, she laid siege to Hochostowitz Castle, this is in Austria. 
And what this meant was that the inhabitants of the castle started to run out of food, which I suppose was Marguerite Mouthbag's plan. In fact, eventually those people in that castle did run out of food. They were down to their last ox and their last rations of grain. So just imagine yourself in this situation. It's really catastrophic. Things are looking really bleak and you're down to your last meal. And then imagine that the castle commander comes to you and says, or just presents this idea to all the people in the castle. He says, throwing this last meal away will ensure that you don't go hungry. And I'm pretty sure your response would be something along the lines of that the commander can take his last meal and shove it up his nose. Anyway, this is exactly what the castle commander suggested. There was this one remaining ox and a bit of grain, the last food that the people had. And he got his people to slaughter the ox, stuff it with the remaining grain that they had, and then, to make matters worse, throw the ox over the castle wall into the Duchess of Tyrol's camp. Now what happened next is pretty amazing. The Duchess looked at this and came to the only conclusion that made sense to her, which was that the people inside the castle had so much food that they could actually afford to waste it. In which case, sticking around made no sense. It would just waste energy, time and resources, and the Duchess herself figured out that they, that is the ones laying siege to the castle, would run out of food before the people in the castle would. So it turned out that throwing away their last meal was exactly the thing that ensured that the people of the Hotchostovitz castle didn't go hungry. It's an amazing thing. They were saved from starvation by giving up their last meal. So with this in mind, let's get back to Heraclitus's saying, the obstacle is the way. I think we can learn a few things from this paradox. So first, I want to look at what I think the paradox is not saying, and then I want to look at what it is saying, and then finally, I want to finish off with some thoughts on what this paradox might have to tell us about one tiny aspect of Christianity and maybe Christian theology. Okay, so what is the paradox not saying? At worst, the paradox sounds a bit like it's promoting an insipid, naive kind of optimism. It's as if we should just add an unthinking, ready-made silver lining to everything. But this, as many of you know already, is irritating and it's insensitive and I think it's psychologically bankrupt. It's bad thinking because it is fundamentally unrealistic. Difficult things are not easy things. That's why we call them difficult. And even in the Hotchostovitz example that I've just given you, the point is that the difficult situation required a very difficult decision, a, a risk. And it certainly didn't ask of the people to have a happy-go-lucky attitude. There was, as you can see, a really serious risk involved. In any case, to merely flippantly add a silver lining onto something is... Well, let's use another example, like the sinking of the Titanic. It's a bit like saying, well... At least it'll make for a few entertaining movies down the line, and it'll make a kind of mediocre director pretty wealthy. Um, so, I, yeah, I really don't think that this is what Heraclitus was getting at. In, in, in a way, it's important to note that Heraclitus was, was a rather mournful, sad fellow. He didn't exactly thrive on unrealistic optimism. So what is the paradox getting at then? 
I think that realism is precisely what the paradox promotes. It's a kind of realism that suggests that when we are confronted with something that doesn't conform to our will or our desires, we have to rethink our assumptions. The obstacle insists that we adjust our perceptions and our perspective to include the obstacle as part of our kind of thought processes instead of merely opposing it. And it insists that we find a way forward given the precise reality of the obstacle. So then lastly, what does this have to do with Christianity and Christian theology? Well, Christianity is often presented as this fairly simple thing that even a kid can understand. It's a kind of band-aid for the scratch of sin or something. And more often than not, it's also offered as a kind of solution to your problems. And maybe in a sense, of course, this, this is true. Um, sometimes mourners need to be comforted if we want to look at, say, some of Jesus' Beatitudes or those who hunger and thirst for justice, they, they will get exactly what they need. But I don't think that this is the only thing that Christianity presents, because Christianity is even more paradoxical than Heraclitus's philosophy. In any case, I'm not convinced that seeing Christianity only as a solution makes existential and philosophical sense. I think that the truth is closer to what the Canadian singer-songwriter Bruce Coburn tells us. He said that once he was told that his life would be so much better when he became a Christian, so what he did is he converted and his marriage fell apart. The 13th Apostle St. Paul had this to say. He writes, we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block, that is an obstacle, to the Jews and foolishness, i.e. stupidity or non-success, to the Gentiles. That's 1 Corinthians 1 verse 23. And this idea can be contrasted with something Jesus is recorded to have said in the book of John. Jesus declares himself there to be the way, the truth, and the life, the, the truth event and the life in a way. So maybe, look, I'm just, I'm just playing with an idea, so you don't have to take this as dogma. It's something I thought I'd share with you so that you can play with it too. But maybe what if Jesus is the obstacle, and as an obstacle, he is the way? If you lean towards atheism, well, that's fine too. Um, Jesus can still represent an ideal human form who challenges our present human conditions and expectations. The reality is that we already have solutions to our problems. For example, we might treat fundamentalist religion as the solution to uncertainty, or marriage as a solution to loneliness, or drinking heavily as a solution to the troubles of life. In that case, treating Christianity like one solution out of many others would be kind of worrisome. For one thing, it would then merely be the first thing that we grab onto to cover up some of the more difficult things in life, kind of like a person grabbing onto an idol to save him from idolatry. In this case, to use another paradox, the solution is the problem, or to refer to the Greek idea of the pharmakon, the cure is the poison. Well, maybe this isn't exactly what Christianity is for you, but I think it can be that and is that for a lot of people. And I think that it's a sad thing when it happens because that's when some of the really rich insights of the Christian tradition get lost or overlooked. So maybe we need to look at people like Kierkegaard, who thought that Christianity had become a little washed out, that people were only kind of playing at Christianity, that Christianity was a kind of cultural status quo rather than a truly revolutionary message, something that it had 
phenomenal uh, existential and political implications. I guess if if we fail to to really think about Christianity as as this kind of revolutionary thing, we're going to miss out on on what it can give to us in terms of challenging how we think about things and challenging how we live. So what I want to do is really offer a sort of plea here. Um, this is kind of following the lead of Kierkegaard and kind of parodying Donald Trump's "Make America Cesspool Again" idea, and the idea is this: let's make Christianity difficult again. We live in a kind of traumatized time, I think, in globally at the moment. In and in a world of Brexits and Trumps and catastrophic environmental difficulties, and the general loss of ethical responsibility as a kind of moral framework in Western culture, we are going to need to throw a few spanners in the works. We're going to need to be the problem, and even, I guess, in the process, risk unpopularity. And maybe I'm putting it just too strongly here, but my main point is that I think that when we're paying attention, we start to notice that Christianity forces us to rethink the dialectic between problems and solutions by inserting an obstacle. It makes things harder, not easier. And maybe it's even supposed to be more offensive. And I, I don't mean this in the conservative sense of encouraging, you know, dogmas about hell and divine child abuse, but in a in the sense that love is always offensive because it doesn't give up, it doesn't fail, it it even reaches out to enemies. I mean, that's a shocking, a shocking thing to even promote. I guess what I'm asking is what Kierkegaard has already asked, which is that we embrace the offense. The provocation suggested by Heraclitus has really interesting theological possibilities. It's telling us that we need to fully appreciate and take note of every obstacle in front of us. What we tend to do is look at any obstacle only from one perspective, which is usually the perspective of how do we get rid of this. It's the thing in the way. But instead of seeing it as the thing in the way, we need to see it as the thing that we need to deal with, the, the angel the, or the demon that we need to wrestle with. So maybe there are other ways of looking at obstacles. The obstacle is fundamentally, I think, a challenge to our current perspective. The obstacle is the problem to all of your silly solutions, in a way. It's the truth event, the thing that happens that forces us to reorientate ourselves. It's the discontinuity that helps us to move forward. Well, as I said, it's just an idea for you to ponder. I haven't worked out all the implications of it, but I wanted to share it with you because I figured you might enjoy playing around with it yourself. That's it from me. If if you want to support this podcast, you're most welcome to do that. You can donate an amount of your choice, very small amount too, uh, to patreon.com forward slash unorthodoxy. And uh, other than that, all I have to say is look after yourselves, everyone. Thanks for listening. Cheers. Cheers.